Coming up on Tell Me Odds, in place of any news this week, the first episode of Mandalorian Season 2 has hit Disney+. Plus. So we're going to give you our discussion and overall thoughts. What time is it, 3PO? It is time for Telling the Odds. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Telling the Odds. With this week we are on episode 20 something. 24 I believe, episode 24. 24. Uh, what is today? You can always rely on Jack, he knows all the episodes. <laughs> it's only because I have to write it into the episode title every week. <laughs> but I very oh, much yeah, enjoy doing sense. that because it's just a, a mix and match of uh, capital letters and exclamation points in, as far as our titles go. Oh, you, um, you've got some um, killer thumbnails to go with them as well. So. <laughs> well I have, because uh, ever since I started using Photoshop like every day for my uni course it's just like oh it's come so much more in handy for like designing aesthetically pleasing thumbnails um yeah. anyway today is the first of november i hope you guys all had a very spooky halloween i know michael and i Ooh, did spooky. michael and i were out like yeah uh, we had a good time michael and i were out yesterday michael dressed as zuko from last end bender and i was uh something that's going to be very poignant for our discussion today uh boba fett um i was just the oliphant himself (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah not wrong not wrong at all we're gonna get into all of that guys we watched episode uh we got we were um treated to the first episode of the second season of the mandalorian two days ago and um we've watched it and that is what's going to form the basis of the episode today we're going to give our review and our thoughts and our overall speculation as to what might come next there's a lot to unpack about just this first episode so it's going to be a good discussion Mm. um other than that michael you had a good week before we get into everything oh yeah yeah uh yeah i've had a good week um yeah i've been mostly excited for mandalorian it's been yeah i mean we've been waiting like so long for this it's gonna be it's really exciting that especially how now it's gonna be weekly as well so that's i know it's gonna be a lot of fun um well every week new episode yeah well like we said in uh right at the top of the show there it, because the Mandalorian has become was such a a a thing in the Star Wars fandom this week, it's really replaced all kinds of news that could possibly come our way. So the first yep. episode is um, all we got for you guys today, but that's all right because I think that's really just one of what we want to focus on because there's like we said, so much to unpack and it's it's yeah, it was it's, a big episode. In a lot of ways, it's worthy of its own show. So we're going to get into that right now. Uh, Chapter 9, The Marshal, right? Now, I love the fact that they're doing Chapter 9 as, like, the first episode of Season... Like, you know, in the Mm. same way that the last episode of Season 1 was Chapter 8, it's like it's one continuous story despite it happening over many separate seasons, which I think is a a very good idea because it is all one congruent story. Like, Episode 8 takes Mando from... Yeah, it just goes straight into where we last uh, caught off with him looking for the Yoda. Yeah. Um, I have a thing. Are we going to do a a spoiler-free one first, or are we just going to jump straight into spoilers? I think maybe what we'll do is we'll just give our overall thoughts non-spoiler for a while, and then uh, at a a certain point, we will start to um, you know talk about spoilers. So, uh, guys, just uh, if you... If you have not watched this episode yet, um, uh, stick around and listen to our thoughts. But if you want to skip straight to the spoiler reviews, the time code for that will be in the description. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, other things aside. I'm just going to give some overall thoughts about the first episode of The Mandalorian. And, you know, we can just the conversation yeah. can branch off from there. Um, exactly. Really loved this episode. 
I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was a Same. very, very good way to start out the second season. Um, I don't know why, and I maybe just like have a sort of intuition when it comes to these sorts of things, but when we first saw the trailer and we saw those sh- those beautiful shots of him coming out of the darkness and into those like you know very dim um, street lights that you see in the very first yep. scene of this episode, and when he ends up uh, tying up... Um, uh, the the uh, his name escapes me. Uh, it gore something. Um, the the cyclops who he meets up with in the very first scene of the f- uh, of the episode. Um, yeah, I don't remember his name. Gore, and then the last name starts with K, but I can't remember the rest of it. Uh, I had a feeling that that would be the first scene of the first episode. I don't know why, but I just had that sort of feeling, and apparently I was um sort of correct in that area. But um, this uh, the first the scene. Gore Koresh. Gore Koresh. That's right. Koresh is the yeah. is the name I was looking for. Um, I think the first thing I would like to say about the episode is how beautiful it looked because of the fact that this uh, mm. this episode was both written and directed by um, John Favreau. But the first thing I noticed, especially when he's um, when there are like large establishing shots of Mando going places, or even as small uh, things as like you know the Razor Crest coming back down onto like you know a planet surface. You know, it's it's so. Beautifully shot, and the director of photography, uh, as said in the credits, is a guy named Baz Idione, and he did such a good job with this episode. It all looks really, really magnificent. And um, again, Pedro Pascal as Mandalorian uh, is back and, you know, good as ever. And of course, Baby Yoda's with him. But I think something that we both have to say, and he's definitely sort of like the um, standout of this episode, has got to be Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, we won't necessarily talk too much about who he is or what he plays until the spoiler section, Yeah, but another main character in this uh, episode is Timothy Oliphant, and gotta say, standout performance of the episode. He yeah. just he just really pulls his weight on here. Like, when he shows up, and from the moment till, like, the very end, he's, like, such a, such a fun character and portrayed so well. And really interesting character if you look into his history of Star Wars canon and whatnot. Yeah, because that's actually something that I didn't know. And, you know, Michael, you actually probably have a better um, idea of it than I do. Because I actually had no Mm. idea that the character he plays has showed up in other Star Wars media before. And, you know, Mm. before uh, coming onto the podcast today, I did some research on who his character is. And you're right, it's very, very interesting. And I'm glad that he's sort of making Mm. his um, canon live action debut. Which is yeah, um, so really, sure really we'll get to that, yeah. yeah. There are a couple of like little tidbits that are like fan servicey just for the fan things that happened in this episode. Yeah, that were so good, and we're going to get into that in a minute. The thing is, I do like those, but I think they work because they don't get in the way of the overall Mandalorian experience. Yeah, like, you still get the story, the one that we're trying to tell, like the uh, the the whole like plot that happens. <laughs> I'm being purposely vague here, but like yeah, the the events that happen what they the the, the uh, tasks they need to complete like all of that it's a rounded episode you don't need any of the little like cameos or little like uh, uh like pop-ins or fan servicey moments and that won't detract at all from the overall story so you could get just as much enjoyment out of it as a man, just a man lauren fan is like seeing nothing else star wars and and someone who's seen like everything star wars but like i think that that's really cool and that's the thing i love about the mandalorian but it's also got those little details here that like hardcore Star Wars fans like us just be like oh my gosh that's so cool exactly you know that's that's the that's the way fan service should be done and that's why da- John Favreau and Dave Filoni because of how much of a f- how, how big of fans of Star Wars they are they know all that deep seated knowledge that they can put in 
to the point where it will make a Star Wars fan like us go, oh my god, that's that. But at the same time, it won't uh, detract from the actual story. It's just like these little tidbits that occur in like little seconds of, of the of yeah. the um of the of the episode it's like that will make it's like a nuts. reference to a name or like an on-screen appearance for like a couple of seconds or even just a visual thing like yeah there's so when you notice them it's like so satisfying you'd be like oh it's that thing yeah no and uh another thing i wanted to talk about is uh i mean like we just said timothy oliphant awesome um but as far as you know dinjar and the mandalorian goes you know uh obviously we get to see him back and there were certain parts of this um, episode that show he has already grown from some of the things that we saw him be more reluctant to in the fir- in the first season. And when I saw that, that made so much sense to me because it's like you're just um, subsequent character growth that happens over a course of um, the episodes that we've already seen. And it just makes complete sense. And it was pulled off really well. And um, yeah, no, I think that was, that, that was excellent. And another thing mm. I got to say about this episode is that it, like the Mandalorian did in the first season where we got to see new planets and new parts of the star Wars lore, like the bounty hunters guild and how they work yep. with, the, with the pucks and all the, you know, bounty pucks and all that stuff. That was, that was awesome. But what they've done in this episode and hopefully for the rest of the season, well, they're, they're taking like whole places that we've seen before and adding new yeah. stuff to that. So they're building out what has already been I built on. I definitely agree. I think so, Mandalorian was like kind of a little bit was like building on what we already knew, but most of it was like new things that we'd like seeing brand new and just exploring them. Whereas I did really like in this episode, this was a lot of familiar things explored in ways we'd never seen them before. Yeah. Which I really liked. Because there were certain parts of this episode that, like we were just saying, you have seen or like, you know, heard them be referenced in uh in the past. But this is what mm. this the, might be the first time that they've ever actually showed up on screen. Um yeah. which is just really, really interesting. Um and another thing I got really to, well done too. Really well done. And speaking of well done, you can immediately tell that the budget for Mandalorian season two is bigger. Wow. Because because not I mean not that it was bad last season. It was all immaculate. The special effects. All yeah, that it was stuff. like. Yeah. yeah, considering it was a TV show, and I think the budget was still pretty high for season one, but it was yeah. like there were some standout moments. This one episode alone probably topped every single standout moment from season one i know yeah like it's just it was so amazing there's a there's a final set piece in this episode i mean maybe they uh, knew the budget in the first episode but who knows yeah and again this also isn't a spoiler but something that i immediately noticed and when it happened i was just like oh my god i can't believe they're doing this this is awesome they're actually shooting on imax screens now which is awesome because you know there's like we were just talking about we won't we won't talk about this specificity behind the um the the yep. final set piece yet but right before the final set piece happens the screen expands to the point where they are actually shooting on yes. widescreen imax cameras i which noticed is that so the aspect cool. ratio changes the aspect ratio changes it's so changed it's more widescreen like yeah you know it's it's yeah. just oh i can't believe they're doing that and it's i and something i'm a huge fan of if it's pulled off correctly and like something like that absolutely justifies the use of you know um, that kind of technology. And um, it, it's sort of like, you know, the whole 360 LED screen that they've been using for Mandalorian season one. Mm. Like, again, if they, I can think of certain scenes in this um, episode where I imagine it would have been used. 
like in certain like you know small areas like yeah, they're like, tightly packed uh caverns and stuff um but at the same time i wouldn't be able to know for sure because it's completely seamless it looks so real the locations that they're in look like they're on site the entire time and it's just yeah yeah i'm thinking yeah i'm trying to think there's there's a number of scenes you could be like okay that's probably shot in the led thing like doesn't subtract at all in fact it works no, so ab- well absolutely for, like, not yeah but then there are some shots of like how did they film that like it must have been on set but it also like they're just the way like some of those shots were done i mean it yeah it was it was like actually incredibly well done like cinematography wise i think in a number of parts of this episode yeah like no. more than i would like more than i noticed from like original season from the first season I think. yeah no there were um there were like i didn't know who directed it uh you know right right off the bat when we started the episode yeah. um but the moment the episode starts even from the first scene the literally the first shot is a wonder cinematography wise and i just like i i, mm. I have to know who directed this and john favreau did in fact direct it and there was actually a single shot um about halfway through the episode again no spoilers where um there is something very very evocative of something that john favreau has already done in the past um where i'm just like oh my god that is that has got john favreau all over it and i can see you scanning your brain to figure out what i'm saying i'm sure we're, we're gonna talk about it in a minute but i can we'll just talk think, about it later there's, yeah. a, there's a certain project that john favreau has done before um, where a shot. Oh yeah, no, I know what it is. Th- there's a yeah. shot uh, that was very similar to what we've seen um, in this episode, and I was like, yes, I love to see John Favreau go back to his roots like that. Um, yep, I but, remember which one it is. Yeah, no, I imagine you do, and we're gonna talk, and we're gonna talk about it shortly. Um, and there were also certain parts of this episode, like we were talking about building out the world, about taking characters and whole groups that had been, you know, established in Star Wars lore and have been established since 1977, but adding so many more layers Mm. to them to the point where you have such a um, a better understanding for them as characters and stuff. And again, we're going to talk about the specificity behind that very shortly. Yeah, like it basically, one of the things that I think really enjoyed, like this is probably less important than the spoiler-free section because the spoiler-free section was like, yes, we really enjoyed it. Of course, go back to it. It's like, it's continuation of what you loved about season one, but continue here. But I think on this part, it, it did a really good job at fleshing out, yeah, as you were saying, a part of the Star Wars universe, which has really only ever been seen in one way before, but like showing this people or or this group in like a a new way, I think it's really like, it's really good. So like, not only is it just a fun episode, but it it, it kind of had some lessons to it. It kind of had some like ideas that it was trying to tell, which I really like. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And something that I actually really got a sense for, like the moment that this really, this episode really takes off is, like the comparison that's been made for the Mandalorian since day one is that it's a Western in space, right? Mm. Um, nothing screams Western like this episode for me out of every episode that oh, we've already got. This is absolutely the most Western episode this that we've gotten. Western, and I, like, I love old Westerns. I love good, bad and the ugly. I love Shane. They're some of my that's favorite cool. old movies. And they, and this episode has that written all over it. And I just, I love it. Um, mm. and yeah, no, I, I really have a lot of nice stuff to say about this yeah. episode. I think but it's not even just like tonally, it feels like a Western, like they just straight up lean into Western tropes throughout a lot of this whole film. That's I know, great, no, it, this episode. I know, like there were parts where, you know, there were certain lines by, you know, uh, people that show up and I'm like, that is totally mm. like a classic and, you know, fair to say cliche line that you'd hear in a Western, it's but great. you don't even care because it's so what it should be doing. Yeah. And it's, 
Star Wars, so you can get away with it. Like, oh yeah, it's like a Western, but Star Wars, it's yeah, great. Yeah, it's awesome. And like, it's never too obnoxious. It's not like they just like hop out and he's, suddenly he's he's a Mandalorian, but he's also got a cowboy hat on top or anything like that. <laughs> that would be fantastic if he just showed up with a cowboy hat over their best guy helmet. I mean, Cad Bane has shown that they are they are pretty trendy for bounty hunters in the in the Star Wars universe. So. Yeah, hats are an article of clothing in Star Wars, so it's definitely like <laughs> that a thing. Is true. That, yeah. Um, well, there, there, there you go. Um, I guess something that I would only say in terms of not even like a criticism or a gripe, it's just like, you know, something that I'd be like, eh, maybe is that, um, I think maybe it was about halfway through this episode when they sort of venture far out and do Mm. certain things. And then after that short while, they go back to where they started and have to go back there for a a shortened amount of time to the point where in the first like there there was about like a 10 minute part about halfway through the episode where it started to be like, okay, let's get back to, let's get back to some I, of the I, stuff that was going on. I at just the start. what you mean. Yeah. Right. Like kind of in the center after they've like done the first attempt and then kind of come back. It, it does kind of feel like it's just like waiting for something exciting to happen. Yeah. Like the, the waiting for the next thing to happen, which is all right. And, and like, it's not like nothing happens story-wise in that bit, but it's like, especially considering like what happens after and the more exciting parts throughout the episode. I, you could definitely say it's a little bit of a pacing issue, but otherwise, I yeah, think, I no, think that, that pacing. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you sort of get where I'm coming from there is that like, you know, there was, there was a bit of a pacing issue for certain parts of this episode. For the most part, it's good, but it was just about quite a long one. It was like 55 minutes. Yeah. 54 minutes, which is a good, which is a good, you know, length for the, for the premiere. I mean, is it the uh, longest one yet or it might be, but then again, like, you know, some of that runtime was devoted to the recap and the credits, you know, because the, the recap for this episode goes for quite a while. Um, I think it went on for about, for about maybe two it was about three minutes, I think. Yeah, no, because it really, you know, leaned in heavily to what happened in the first season. Um, but mm. yeah, no, I mean, it's still a very good uh, runtime for a for an for a, a season two premiere. Um, but yeah, I guess oh, that's, yes. I, it, I, it I, does have a recap. So if you probably would recommend watching season one, but you don't have to watch it immediately after before this. You can go if you've seen season one, you can go straight into the Mandalorian season two. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, it's funny because in a lot of ways, this episode, and I have a feeling this is what's going to happen for the season as well, as well, is that they're not going to have to rely on each other overly in a, in a, in a way, because I feel like I could watch this episode just by itself and still have a great time. Because if, if, yeah. if you just accept from day, from, from moment one that, yeah, okay, there's this guy who has a child who he needs to find the home of, then you're good to go for the rest of the episode. Um, and yeah, it and is the longest episode. Wow. It is the longest episode. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. And like we said, again, at some points it did definitely feel like the longest, but for the most part, mm. we really did enjoy this episode. And I think um, it earned it though. I think because it's like building up to this like epic next section, ne- next like lot of chapters in the Mandalorian, like it, it earned it. Like as it, like it starts off kind of small as we're like learning about what the hook's going to be for this season and then goes to this new location. And there's a big brand like this. It's not like a small like, I feel like a lot of the other Mandalorian episodes kind of is like a, a lot smaller scale and what the Mandalorian needed to do in that episode, whereas this one was like quite a big, 
a bigger scale than that. So I think it, it definitely deserved that longer runtime. Yeah. And you know what? Something that I'm really loving about The Mandalorian in general, in terms of like the actual episodic story structure, is the way in which it's doing this sort of like serialized television sort of thing, where, mm. you know, a lot of people thought in the first season, okay, when's the plot going to kick in? But at the same time, the reason that season one worked so well is because each one was its own story. And in a lot of ways, mm. that's exactly what George Lucas has, has wanted to do from day one. He's wanted he's wanted Star Wars to be serialized episodic content and that's what we're getting in Mandalorian is that you know in this episode there are certain things that happen where he says okay I need your help with this but then the the person he's talking to says okay you need to help me do this and I will do that for you and that's something that you know that's a a certain thing about the way that these episodes are are structured that I'm completely down for maybe some people are like you know sort of on the fence about that I think it works great for Star Wars in particular um, which is Luckily, it doesn't run into the the problem that Skywalker, uh, sorry, Rise of Skywalker had, which is like we need you to do this to help you find this to help you get this. It's like exactly, it's yeah. only it's only about one or two layers into help me get this to give you this, which will help you do that. Only about one or two. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you know what? That's uh, <laughs> I mean, like again, I think I, I, it really works in this episode. And I mean, you brought up Rise of Skywalker. Um, this serves as a lesson for that in that this is how you do it. Inter- mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's that. But anyway, I think now would be a good time to get actually to get into the actual spoiler stuff, so we can actually provide some um, actual details to all the vague stuff we've been talking about. So uh, if yeah. you've skipped this time code now, guys, uh, welcome. Uh, spoilies. We're gonna get into spoilies now. This first- how good was this episode? Now <laughs> all those silly non-spoiler people, we can make fun of them. Ha. They don't even know how good it is. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I mean, as we know now that everyone everyone who's actually seen the episode is listening, you know... Uh, you wouldn't dare watch this part without having seen the episode, would you? The epi- That's illegal. The episode itself takes takes uh, Mando back to, to Tatooine because uh, of the fact that, you know, we basically found out that there is a Mandalorian on Tatooine. And as soon as we mm. heard that, when, I, when um, uh, Gore... I've heard, I've lost, I've got his, I've forgotten Gore his, Koresh. Gore Koresh. I, I've forgotten his name again. Yeah, uh, Gore Koresh, who, by the way, is played by John Leguizamo, who was very good in this, uh, for the small part that he's in this episode. Um, but mm. then when he's just like, Tatooine, Tatooine, I'm just like, oh shit, Boba Fett. And yes, Boba Fett mm-hmm. as a, Boba Fett as like a theme plays a big part in this episode because the moment Tilly, Timothy Oliphant walks into the, like, you know, um, Mos Pelgo Cantina wearing that Boba Fett armor, I was just like, he looks yep. so good. <laughs> because oh, it, But also quite goofy. He which did, I yeah. think works because it's clear that this armor's not made for him. Yeah. It does not fit him. He, it's like, he's too long for it. Like, it, it like size is all right, but like, he's too tall for it. So he's just like, it proportionally does not fit his body, which is hilarious, but also works for the character because it is just a salvage piece of armor. Like, it's not his. And, like, the moment that happened and also the moment he started speaking, you're like, oh, it's not Boba Fett. Yeah. Where's Boba Fett? Yeah, like, you know, obviously when we're talking about Boba Fett nonstop, you know, when you see him onto the screen for the first time, you immediately think Boba Fett. And before he even started speaking, just from the body alone, I'm just like, that's not Boba Fett. Uh, and then uh, what I did love is this a very small moment is, you know, Mando's going along with it for a little bit like, oh yes, there's a Mandalorian finally. And then he sits down and he's walking towards him. And then 
you know, um, a Cobb Vanth takes the helmet off and then Mando just stops in his tracks to the point where he's like, wait, you're not a Mandalorian. You wouldn't take your helmet off. Uh, so that was an interesting detail in terms of character, you know, um, stuff that we already know about Mando's character. And, um, mm. but anyway, something that I really want to get into in terms of the fact that we were just talking about the idea that it is leaning so far into the, into the Western part of the, um, you know, Mandalorian. Uh, the part where he rides on that speeder into Mos Pelgo and he is like yeah. slowly going down the road and people on all sides of like, you know, standing outside of bars and cantinas and what is essentially, what would be the saloon if this was, if this was actually a I'm Western. Just staring at him. It's good. They're just like looking at him and like leaned up against a wall and he's like exchanging glances with them through his helmet. I'm just like, this is just such a uh, Western and I'm loving it. And mm. the moment he goes into a... Spit pop. Exactly. There's literally a spit pot in 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 Mos Pelgo, and he goes into the cantina, and we and we see another cool detail about this uh, episode. We get to see a live action Weekway, and um, yeah, we're a cool Weekway. We haven't seen a live action Weekway since Return of the Jedi. So um, really, I mean, they were first in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they no, they they were in the prequels. Um, were they? Like in Senate, I would assume. Hang on, maybe they we... were. Way. Uh, yeah, because obviously we know the weak way from Hondo Anaka and the pirates in uh, Clone Wars, and yeah, there were uh, you know weak way skiff guards in Return of the Jedi. But this huh. is the first time you've really got. No, I think you're right. I think we haven't seen them since Return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, and because you know the pirates in Clone Wars made the weak way so cool. You know, it's good to see. Yeah, it's exactly. good to see them here. And like we were just talking about with the cliche Western lines that work anyway, when he goes in and he's just like, I'm looking for someone and the weak way says, yeah, we don't get your kind in these parts or so, <laughs> something like that. Oh, the, one of the great lines is like, uh, I'm looking for a Mandalorian. It's like, oh, what do they look like? It's like, they me. Look, they, look, they look like me. They look like me, yeah. <laughs> You've never heard of them? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. And um, so anyway, what we're also talking about in terms of taking a group that hadn't really been established in a lot of ways and really, like, you know, advancing mm. them to the point where they're really almost, you know, quite interesting are the Tusken Raiders. Because the Tusken yeah. Raiders are heavily featured in this episode. And, they are. Yeah. They were, like, first kind of featured in the last Tatooine one. Yeah. Where, like, he doesn't befriend them but he kind of like uh is like parlays with them in a sense it's like they they don't attack each other yeah um and, and whatnot he gets passage but, uh, through their, this... like, their land yeah. yeah he gets passage through but in this one like they straight up just like collaborate on trying to take down the crack dragon which we'll talk about but um it and i i think it was a really interesting like exploration of pretty much every almost every single appearance of tuscan raiders be it star wars like in the films even like materials like outside of the films, they're almost always viewed as like antagonists or like savages and whatnot. Yeah. And I feel like this is a really interesting and nuanced view of them of like, no, they're just they're just um natives to this land. Yeah. And like, sure, some people see them as savages, but like to them, they see it as like people occupying their land, which is like a really interesting and like new idea that we don't really see too much in star wars no that's ab- I, and i really like that no it's absolutely right you know because they are the indigenous species to, to tatooine yeah. and they think that they uh, that everyone else who lives on tatooine are basically the trespassers and you're right ever mm. ever since the very like, first uh, on solo's uh quote which is like uh, we, we're gonna fight off the invaders it's like it's their planet where the invaders yeah you know no it's incredible you, you 
you know, hit the nail on the head there, Michael. That's exactly what it is. Uh, because, you know, ever since, you know, the very first time we saw them, they've been viewed as antagonists because they try to, like, beat Luke over the head with their, you know, Tuscan mm. clubs. Um, but you really don't get to see that they are really just sort of protecting themselves and protecting their land. And in a lot of ways, mm. the lessons that the, um, that the, uh, what are they, what are we talking about? The, um, the inhabitants of, uh, Mos yep. Pelgo, this small town, you know, uh, we are sort of like them in that way. Cause we sort of view until this point, have view the Tuscan Raiders as sort of the people that you sort of stay away from because they'll try to like exactly. hurt you. But at the same time, not only the villagers, but we also have to learn that they're not really savages. They are just people who yeah. are who are protecting themselves and protecting their it's, land. It's and it, interesting. We kind of we kind of look at it through the eyes of Cobb Vanth. Yeah, um, exactly. Whereas because whereas whereas Mando is like quick to trust them. He's like it's they 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 are honorable like they're warriors. But like as long as you agree to like fight with them, we'll be all good. He's the one who's being like, no, they attack us. They like raid our villages. And as viewers, all you've seen in the past you kind of have to agree with him. You're like, this doesn't sound like a good idea. They're going to like betray you in the end. But like, yeah, cause he's not wrong. I, I do like, yeah. Yeah. Like I do like how he they um, killed Shmi Skywalker. Him. I mean, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, yes, uh, yes. But like, <laughs> then Anakin slaughtered them all. Yeah. The women and the children. Too. Oh God, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't, them like I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. You're just going to get, you're just going to, your, your meme brain takes over. Um, it's all I could do. I know. I know. Uh, yes. And, and so, and and I think it's a really interesting, um, like, kind of un- double take. It's like, well, no, they don't portray them. Like, yes, there are some tensions and problems with the with the townsfolk from Mos Pelago, but like, um, but I think, yeah, it, it's great because they do actually end up like working together, and like, you do see a really interesting side of them, which I really like this episode. That was one of the things that I didn't expect, or what when I was watching the episode, I the, I thought there'd be more things in it that like. The things that I would prefer in it, but this, that was one of my biggest takeaways, which I yeah. really enjoyed. No, that's something that I really think that uh, it doesn't matter if it's if it's uh, Mandalorian, if it's something, uh, if it doesn't matter if it's even Star Wars. If you're going to do something, if you're going to feature an episode or a movie in a place that we've in a place that we've yep. seen in, in that we've seen before, in this case, yeah. like Tatooine, I always ask myself, are you doing something new with this already exactly. familiar area? And if you which are, I think they definitely, do. and if you are, then you're using this environment well and i think that that's absolutely what they did because something that i think that mm. they're using sort of like as a rule is yes we're going to a familiar place but we're going to show you new things and i think that's yeah. really almost a prerequisite if you're going to be doing that if you're taking us to a thing or a place that we've seen before show us something new and i think that's absolutely what they did and it actually sort of plays into the whole again the western theme because in the same way mm. that the because the the Mos pelgo inhabitants and the tuscan raiders sort of act as the the cowboys and Indians sort of thing, you know? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. It, it, it is really does like build, like continues that Western trope, but with a star Wars setting with the, yeah, with the idea of like the native Americans and then the, uh, the cowboys. Yeah. Like, but like in a conductive position where instead of fighting each other, they have to team up to fight a dragon. Well, yeah, let's get into, let's <laughs> like, get into the crate dragon. Right on the crate the, the dra- ah, dragon looked so cool. Um, because you Very know, awesome. the moment that the sort he sort of like tremor style sort of starts to like rumble through the ground into the, into mm. Mos Pelgo. And then he just like comes out of the ground and just engorges a bantha. You know, it's, like the moment that before he even came up, because I knew it was Tatooine, I'm just like, wait, is this a Cray Dragon? 
is this a crate dragon? And he brings up his head and yeah. then eats up the band. And I'm like, it's a crate dragon, which is awesome. Um, it looks fantastic. You know, like, again, we were talking about how good the site. That, that was the... the main thing we were talking about where it was like, did they blow the budget all on this episode? Cause Oh, some of those shots with the crate dragon just launches out of the sand, like yeah. especially in the final act. We're beautiful. That would let you, I, I, I mean, I was joking when I watched this with my family. It was like, is this June? Are we watching June? Like it's with yeah. these huge like sand creatures, but like the special effects could easily have just come straight out of like a big blockbuster Hollywood film. Like they were solid as heck. Absolutely. It's, it's as good as anything you'd get in terms of an actual feature film. Well, like I think yeah. my favorite shot with the crate dragon might be um, later on in the episode when they first go up to that cave, the abandoned Sarlacc pit uh, specifically it's called. Oh um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. The Tuscan Raider calls it out of the cave and then he starts to run. And then it's just a, a like a completely symmetrical shot of the, of the dark, cave right in the middle and the Tuscan Raider is like running for his life and at the, at the, at the scale that this shot is at the, the Tuscan is like ant size and then the, and then mm. the crate dragon just slowly comes out of the hole and, and yep. eats him alive like that shot was so so beautiful uh, it was also pretty funny in the sense where it's like okay they're using the the banther's bait because they know if they if it digests the banther it will sleep longer and the Tuscan Raider just starts running and you know there's a second you realize Oh, he's not gonna make it. Yeah. He's not gonna make it. And they just continue the shot of him just like running. Oh, and I he's putting so much evidence into it, but then it eats him instead and it I know because that's the thing is that they thought that that's legitimately like quite a funny moment because that's what they thought is that like you know they leave the banther there and they intend for the the crate dragon to eat the banther instead and the tuscan just decides to run but instead the crate dragon eats him and leaves the banther completely alone which is just yeah (laughs) um it was great yeah that was a good moment no because it was funny because right after mando just says to uh cob vanthy just says i think that might be open to some fresh ideas (laughs) which was which is very um which was funny uh yeah and it's something you know what that uh maybe some people might not be happy with given how adored he is um baby yoda sort of just takes a back seat in this in this yeah he's not the focus which is fine because we've got a lot of baby yoda in the last exactly and i'm pretty sure we'll get a lot more further on in the season with how much we think the force and the jedi and whatnot are going to come into it but i do like how this episode was an interesting departure from the what we expected the Mandalorian would go like end of season two you think okay next season we're gonna get Jedi we're gonna get so much more about Baby Yoda first episode he's hardly in it went back on Tatooine Force is not even there it's more about the man like Mandalorian and Boba Fett and whatnot and I think that was really interesting and really cool because we'll get more of the what what like we're expecting later on that this was like an interesting departure or like a uh an introduction to the Mandalorian world again before we get into the before we what I assume will happen which is where we get into the force thing yeah no absolutely um uh there was a part where we were i i mentioned in the non-spoiler part of the uh, of this discussion that there were certain parts of this episode which really showed that mando is already starting to grow as a character it happens the moment he lands back on tatooine when you actually get to meet um uh pelly motto the 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 um, the hangar proprietor from from episode five of uh, the first season, uh, when yep. the pit droids like approach the Razor Crest and start to work on it. Originally, Mando wouldn't have let them anywhere close to it, but now he does, and that's nope. because IG Eleven gave his uh, gave his um 
well, not his life. He's gave, got a gave, newfound respect for droids. Yeah, I was about to say give his life. Uh, I'd say give his chassis and programming. But in a lot of ways, he does. Mm. He, I, I'm still comfortable saying life because he was so almost human that character. Uh, but because he's given his life for the the team in the last episode of season one, he has this newfound respect and um, you know uh, acceptance for droids, which is uh, which is interesting. And I like that they're doing that because it shows he's growing mm. like any good protagonist should. Uh, and that's great. And we were talking about the small fan service tidbits that you get in this episode. Yes. Let's talk about it for a quick sec. In this, first, in that same scene with Pelimoto, you get to see R5D4, the same bad motivator yep. droid from episode four that was left behind by um, you know Luke and, and uh, Uncle Owen. He's still on Tatooine. It makes sense because he never would have left if he had a if he um you yeah. know just got. If he just he's got, got a bad motivator. He's got a bad motivator. Look. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he's still there. And he he's now services her, which is really interesting. And I love <laughs> to the point where... Um... Wait, what's, what's funny? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing unrelated. Okay. Uh, yes, um, that's good. I just love the fact that, you know, they will go all out to make sure that you know that it's him because there's literally a close-up shot of, like, yeah, his with the head, oil, and there's, yeah. like, scuff marks and oil burns okay. around where the bad motivator Motiv- broke off in episode four. And I'm just like, oh, this is so great. Um, another thing... Mm, and also... Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, I'll do one. We also get to see Womp Rats, which are, like, in, in CG, which are really cool. I love those yeah. Womp Rats. Because you, you haven't seen, uh, I mean, you've seen Womp Rats before. Uh, but yeah, like really only in the, uh, I think, special editions or, or like they've like kind of done with their kind of like pretty trash CGI added in later. I mean, yeah. have we seen them ever done? Were they ever done practically? Uh, no, I, I think that maybe there would have been like one or two from a very far off distance in Rise of Skywalker when they go back to Tatooine by my by my memory. But um, that's that's really it. Like that's... And it's not even like it's they're literally on screen for like two seconds when the Millennium Falcon flies over a sand crawler. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's it. You're like but you're absolutely right. This is really the first time we get to see a, one up close. And seeing as mm. people get called womp rats like left and right in Star Wars media, it's good to yeah. actually know what they're referencing now that we've seen one. But yeah. And we um, needed we needed to know how hard it was to bullseye womp rats back uh, on, on a on a, his, T, uh, on a T16. T16. Yeah. Yeah. T16. Uh, T16 Skyhopper. Um, yeah. uh, not, something else that I really loved is that when there, there are certain shots, when they're on speeder bikes, you know, traversing the desert, uh, Cobb Vance speeder is yep. a, is the, like the left or right, um, you know, wing of a pod racer, which is awesome. Yep, most like, well, at least the one that, at least one of the ones that looks like, or is the same kind as Anakin's pod racer. Yeah, no, cause really cool. when I first saw it, I'm just like, that is totally a part of Anakin's pod racer because mm. it's because the, the the front of it looked so so similar like there's like there's like yellow plating on it that was also on Anakin's mm. there's a bit of red plating which wasn't there before but who knows Cobb Vanth might have just put that there himself yeah. um yeah I don't know I'd like to imagine that it's the same part of a pod racer that'd be so cool yeah, that's pod, pod racing because you know as we know back in episode one you know uh Anakin sold the pod, so we don't know where the hell yeah. it turned up. Um, it, it's just a long series of events until it eventually makes its way yeah. to Cobb Van. But that would have been like 40 years from this episode of The Mandalorian, so <laughs> yeah. who knows? I, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, 
so yeah, that is uh, another part that was that was that was great. Now I think that maybe we'll just quickly focus on um, a little character called Boba Fett because we did oh, mention. Yeah. But one thing I think before Boba Fett, yeah, yeah, is we, we briefly mentioned it with Cobb Van. Yeah. How this isn't actually his first ever appearance. Yes, he yeah, yeah. Clue us, clue us in, in the novelized in a novel called Aftermath: Empire's End in a short part like a short chapter of it which is just set on Tatooine basically which hints at Boba Fett's armor being have been found by this dude Dave Cobb Vant who uses it to become a sheriff or whatnot of a small town and defend them against um, bandits or whatnot but like it's so it's close enough that like it works and is compatible with what we're seeing here but it's just such an interesting idea that like they there had been um, Boba Fett's armor had appeared in canon before, has been carried by this person named Cobb Van. Yeah. And rather than what they could have done easily with the Mandalorian, it's been like, well, we'll just ignore it and just hope it's compatible later, uh, and just had done their own story. They actually used this pre-existing book character, tied it into the Mandalorian, and it still completely worked with what they were trying to do. Like, that was so cool. I didn't know personally because I haven't read Aftermath, but yeah. that was like when I found that out because I remembered like, oh yeah, I remember having heard that his armor had been used by and worn by someone who wasn't Boba Fett. I wonder if it's him. And I searched up like, it is him. And I'm wondering, is this the first time a book character or someone created for the books then later appeared in live action? Because I think that'd be pretty lucky. And that's why it is such a seamless integration of like previous Star Wars media into mm. projects like this. And that's why they are so talented in the way that they make their... their in the way that they tell their stories because you know like you like we were just talking about john favreau did write and direct this episode but he also executively produced yeah. it with dave filoni as are every other epi- as is every other episode and you can totally see why and it's just it works all the time especially when you compare it to with like rise of sky of course like yeah rise of sky kind of had a problem where un even though, even though a lot of people say like, "Oh, last year I ignored the canon," Rise of Skywalker kind of had a problem with it, especially with some. Well, I mean, one with like what's already happening with like Palpatine and whatnot, but like with like Poe, they just like kind of said, "Oh yeah, Poe used to be a, a a spice runner or whatnot." They brought up this whole history. Yeah, that's not true. Which fine, except that that is not his history. His history had been defined beforehand. Is that he was before the Resistance? He was in the the New Republic fleet, New Republic Navy. So and like. It's not a hundred percent incompatible. Like they, I think they ended up like shifting it around, saying like, "Oh yeah, he was a spice runner," and then for like a little bit, he was in the New Republic Navy, and then he joined the Resistance. Yeah. But they made it seem like he went straight from New Spice Runner to um, Resistance, and it's like it's clear that they, even though they might not have known it existed, or they just didn't care because they wanted it, this story to tell, it's it's that difference of like not actually like paying attention to the world that it already exists around you. And I feel like maybe for Rise of Skywalker, because it's like a big film, they like felt like, oh, we can ignore it more. But like, I like how the Mandalorian, even though it is huge and massive numbers and huge budget, because it is still so contained and so part of this Star Wars universe, it does pay attention to these little details and intricacies of the universe that it exists in, which I yeah, really that's, like. That's exactly what we were talking about when we did our, uh, you know, sort of review of Rise of Skywalker two weeks ago is, you know, they did these mm-hmm. things where like, you know, oh, you know, completely changing certain parts of Poe's backstory or saying that the home world of the Sith is Exegol, not Moraband, when that's already showed up in countless Star Wars media. Um, you know, 
it's just not like you have to pay attention to the fact that you can write all you want, but you also have to pay attention to the fact that you are writing for a universe that's been, you know, building up information and lore for the past 40 years. And that's something that the Mandalorian has never failed to do in season one and now in season two. Um, and Cobb Vanth ex uh, exemplifies that to a T and they just, it's it's mm. executed very well and i also cannot wait to see more of him because um because yeah i hope he comes back because timothy oliphant did such yeah, a good job in episode uh four in episode four uh of the um of the first season you get to hear when you know when you first see cara dune the last thing that they say to each other is i hope our paths cross you know and what was the last thing that timmy oliphant said mm. to uh mando in this episode I um uh, until until our paths cross. So that is essentially that is essentially yeah. code in Mandalorian that basically says, "Hey, I'm not I'm not going to oh, be yeah. I'm not going with you, but you can totally like bring me back for like yeah. the last episode if you want." Uh, which is <laughs> exactly if they do another like last episode where he gets the team together, I reckon he'll definitely yeah. come back at least in a small. And that's why part, and that's why it like. is serialized television, and that's why it is and that's why it works so well. Mm. Um. Which I think does work because it yeah. is weekly. And like because it's it, Star Wars. Star Wars is always I personally, been that way. Yeah. If it's incredibly like one episode to the next is like almost almost basically one long episode, I think I do tend to prefer binges just because or like or like dropping all the season at once. Because you wanna get if you wanna go straight into the next one, it's like, oh I just wanna I just wanna keep watching. Whereas this, as much as like, yes, obviously I wanna watch the next episode, I don't need it immediately. After watching this episode, I'm happy. I'm like, wow, that was so good. Can't wait till the next episode. But I'm not immediately going, oh, I can't enjoy this episode until I watch the yeah. next one. Because they are self-contained. But they still have that overall story, which means, which makes me continue want, still wanting to watch, yeah. which I really like. So I think they I did, think that, they really did well. do that really well. And something that, uh, you know, you're, like you were just saying, they do work on them on their own, but they also do well when it comes to cliffhangers. And there was a certain cliffhanger in this episode, which we can get into now. <laughs> these these um, are... Uh, what's it called? Segways are on. <laughs> Thank point, you. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, you know, he's he's sort of speeding away back to the Razor Crest at the end of the episode once the Crate Dragon's been killed, and mm. uh, uh, watch it. Watching Mando fades. from like atop a you know rocky part of the Tatooine desert is Boba Fett. He lives, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Uh, he. He never died. <laughs> he is alive. Um, he turned because I loved the reveal, by the way, because it's like, it, and it goes back to how beautifully shot this episode was because it slowly pans over and it's just in front of the jewel sun of the of the uh, of the binary sunset. It's his it's his dark silhouette, yeah. and then he slowly turns around to reveal Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett. Um, it's, it's awesome. Great. I mean, all right. Once the armor first showed up, it was like okay. I get that in canon he isn't shown up, but the armor has. But just because it's being put in a TV show that is as mainstream as it is, once the armor showed up, I'm like, okay, they'll bring him back. And it was just a moment of how or when. And, but, like, by the end of it, you kind of forget about it. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, that was a good episode. Cobb Vamp was great. There was some Boba Fett armor. That's cool. You kind of forget about it. Until he finally then shows up, and you're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. They officially have just confirmed, like, also, yeah, he's can still I... here. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Oh yeah, do do you think that this is just a one-off cameo that he's here, or do you think he'll be a reoccurring part oh, of the show? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, Boba Fett being Boba Fett, the fact that his armor was originally his father's, I feel like he has some like you know sentimental attachment to it to the point where he's going, he's gonna want to get it back. Mm. Um, and in terms of you know an yeah. actual character and uh, you know uh, 
in terms of how you would make episodes and stuff. With a character like Boba Fett, you can't, like, you know, do that and then not bring him back because I feel like that would make people mad. Um, no, yeah. I think I think because he has the armor with him, like, he took it, like, with him from Cobb Vanth, I think it is likely we'll see Boba Fett in the next part if it's, like, just a continued thread that he's got this yeah. armor with him. So I think I think he'll. Yeah, probably... no, I definitely don't think we're done with 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 Boba Fett. I have to say that you know if we do if we don't get more of him, I mean I kind of would be disappointed. But you know again it's not about him; it is about Mando. Mm. Um, but plus it does leave the door open for future Boba yeah. Fett appearances. I'm also thinking that the this is actually sort of just breaking down and sort of theorizing about what we did see of him. I feel like maybe he's been hiding out as a as a Tuscan Raider because if you look at the weapons he has attached yeah. to his back, those are Tuscan Raider weapons. That he has that really long rifle that they use. He has that club with the spiky bit on the the carbine rifle and the yeah gappy the gappy stick. sticks and the uh, carbine rifle that the Tuscan Raiders use it. Yeah, Carbine I think it's it's yep. really uh I think that's what they'd be leaning into and he looks almost like he's been burnt. His face looks like, you know, sort of singed. Obviously he's bald and stuff, which is interesting. I mean, like what did he have to go through to get out of that Sarlacc? I um yeah, I think the implication being that like yes, the armor protected him at least yeah. partly, but he still kind of got <laughs> he still got partly digested by that exactly. uh, I I mean, look, we don't it, it I mean, look, began. we don't know what his face looked like ever you know because he never took it off in the original trilogy maybe he's always looked mm. like that since episode five but we don't know because that's maybe. another thing i started i mean he does work with a flamethrower yeah, so you know <laughs> occupational hazards would occur <laughs> occupational hazards um yeah and a lot of people were thinking you know i saw youtube videos and stuff about you know now that he's alive people are saying oh how old is boba fett now um he's not as old as you would think because i'm just looking at it now he was born on camino in 30 in 32 yeah. bby so he's actually only 41 years of age which is which is you know interesting yeah um i and i and by the way i also just and he didn't have the growth he didn't have the growth thing that the exactly. other clones he's, had. So he's just he's doing regular. it naturally. Um, and it's just, you know, this is just like, you know, for me, it's something that's just really wholesome and great to see. I just love to see Tamara Morrison back in Star mm. Wars because Tamara, because I love oh, Tamara yeah. Morrison as an actor, whether it's been, he's been in Aquaman recently, but he's been in some other things. But you also see him in interviews and he seems to be like the nicest guy in the world who I would just love to meet. So the fact that he's mm. in Star Wars not only sort of brings back everything related to the clones because like, because, you know, obviously he is... He is a clone. He's a naturally occurring clone, but he is a clone. So it just brings yeah. back all the things about like, oh, you know, when we got to see Cody in live action episode three and all that stuff, because he hasn't been in Star Wars since, mm. you know, 2005, um, which is which is really, really yeah. fascinating. And I just love to see him back. So was, what there was that was there was like a, a rumor going around that Tamara Morrison would be back in this, which we, we thought would happen that like uh, with uh, with Boba Fett. But, like, because Tamir Morrison is back as Boba Fett, entirely possible he could also come back as, like, as Rex or He has said previously he wants to come back as Captain Rex. Like, I, he, I, yeah. he said that in interviews. I cannot tell you how happy I would be if we got to see, like, Rex, a Star Wars story. Like, I'd love to see... I mean, mm. this is completely detracting from the episode itself. This is just, like, you know, what's going to happen in a, in a, uh, in a podcast like this. But I would... I mean... 
the Bad Batch is probably going to go into this, that series that we have on our way. But I would love to see yeah. what happened to Rex between Order 66 and the, uh, the, the ghost crew finding him in Rebels. I'd like to see that story. Mm. And if Tamara Morrison wanted to come back as Captain Rex to tell it, that would be so fun. But again, we're probably going to get that in Bad Batch. I don't know. Um, so... Yeah, in terms of people, uh, in terms of people who have showed up in Star Wars before, appearing in the Mandalorian, Cobb Vanth, check, Boba Fett, check, Ahsoka Tano, probably on her way, um, which is which is interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of the checkboxes actually of just like here's all these things you've seen and like we're bringing them back in interesting ways. But like, and I do and I do like that. And I think and pretty much everything they brought back, we got to see a new side of it, or it was like really interestingly done. However. I do hope that this isn't the entire season. I, I do hope we still get to see new parts of the Star Wars universe and new things explored in the Mandalorian that we've never seen in Star Wars before. But like, uh, and I trust that they will do that with, especially with how good Mandalorian season one was. But I think this was a good starting point to show us all these things that we've loved to see before. But like, I think, yeah, we, we do want to, we do want to still explore some new parts of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, no, I and you know what? I have a feeling with how knowledgeable and uh, smart as filmmakers John Favreau and Dave Filoni are, I have a strong feeling that them being them, they have the same idea. Is that, yes, we want to include people that are going to make people go, oh my god, it's Boba Fett! Um, but at the same time, we want to tell a great story. And if they use the structure that they used for this episode as a template for doing that, you know, going forward... That would be great because we have characters like Boba Fett and Cobb Vanth and uh, and R five D four and Pod Racer speeders and stuff all showing up in this episode. But at the same time, you have westerns in Star Wars being fully elaborated on. You have crate dragons. You mm. have the you have elaboration of the Tuscan Raider lifestyle, and you it's the it's this perfect amalgamation where you can have it both ways that they are executing yeah. so flawlessly in this episode and. Seeing as we already have seasons two and three in the can already because of how well prepared and you know productive they are in terms of the making of this show, I think that that we're, that we're going to get a lot of that, which is something that I'm really really looking forward to because I trust a, as filmmakers and as people who helm Star Wars stories, I trust John Favreau and Dave Filoni with, with with everything with my life. I mean, they've already demonstrated yeah. like with the Mandalorian is probably the best Star Wars material ever we've had in the past decade or two it's been uh -huh. like some of like the mandalorian was such a standout good show and i can't wait to see more the reason that i feel like the best stuff that we've gotten in star wars for like ever are always tv show related whether it be clone wars whether it be the mandalorian Except maybe the original trilogy original trilogy is pretty good yeah no i think i mean yeah i mean like of course going back to uh, the original trilogy, nothing will surpass the original trilogy. But the reason I feel like in 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 most in Maybe. most recent years, in most recent years, like yeah. let's say since Revenge of the Sith came out, right? Nothing has yeah. been as good um, in Star Wars as stuff that we've gotten from TV series and stuff like like later Clone mm. Wars and The Mandalorian and what we're going to yep. get with Kenobi and stuff. And the reason that all that stuff is the best Star Wars related media that we've gotten is because like we were just talking about, it's all serialized episodic content that George Lucas has wanted to emulate in Star Wars since day one. Since day one, Star mm. uh, George Lucas was going to have Star Wars just be their own stories. Do you remember what the original title for A New Hope was? Chapter one, the Star Wars as taken... Chapter one, as, of the will of the... Will of the um, as taken from the 
journal of, journals of the wills. You know, chapter two was going to be about something <coughs> completely different. Star uh, George Lucas's sequel trilogy yeah. was going to take us to new heights and new bounds and stuff. And you know, it's it's mm. just, uh, and that's why the TV series related stuff has always been so well so well done. You know, it's it's I, I can't fault it for it. It's all really really good. For sure. And, okay, yeah, but one thing last to say. Yeah, let's see if I can guess the moment you were thinking of where you're like, oh, that's John Favreau. Yeah. All right, was it the moment where Boba Fett shoots the rocket at the miners yes. and it was a callback to Iron Man? Callback to Iron cool. Man. Yes, because he, yeah, he shoots him from afar and like, because they, they try to yeah. shoot him, he misses and he just shoots like a tiny little thing at them. But at the same time, it causes such mm. a huge explosion. And it's, that is so on brand with what John Favreau has done in the past. And it's, it's so, it's pretty it's good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, nice. Yeah. Well, I think, is there anything else that we haven't covered about the episode? No, I don't think so. I think that's it. Um, I mean, there's like the Pearl Dragon, the uh, Crate Dragon Pearl at the end, which is a callback to Nats the Old Republic. But like little things like that, I'm sure we could find, talk about like forever, all these little details in the episode. But as we've said, it's just, it just gives us confidence that, oh, we just, it's just so much fun watching The Mandalorian again. It's just, I'm excited about Star Wars. Every time, I say it, I'm like, uh, you know, maybe maybe Star Wars is not too much going on. But then the Mandalorian comes back and you're like, well, I, it's like one of the things I'm most excited for in my life right now. It's, it's the Mandalorian everywhere. It's what's going to get us through the rest of 2020, I think, how, go- how, oh, yeah. how good it is. Um, <laughs> if we can make it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, guys, I guess that puts a button on our little discussion about the fir- about chapter nine of, um, of, yeah. of the Mandalorian, uh, the Marshal, as it's called, which is also a very fitting mm. title. Um, exactly. yeah, which they kept secret for like the when with the episode just at chapter nine until you view it and then it says the marshal exactly. Yeah, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, um, which is something that I also really enjoy is that the the episode titles are gonna are gonna be so on brand, which is why I'm excited that they that they're not releasing them beforehand because um because mm. if they did uh you know let's hi- let's say hypothetically whatever episode is it says the jedi or something yeah the jedi <laughs> or, like kind of, oh, that's a yeah, or the um the, <laughs> the wizard or something <laughs> yeah. uh the, the death of a child <laughs> god um yeah well yeah there you go guys i i think it's safe to say mm. that we've both really enjoyed this episode of the mandalorian oh, yeah, definitely. and we'll be back next week so we'll be back time. next week to uh give you guys our thoughts on uh chapter 10 whatever it may be yes you get weekly mandalorian reviews right here on telling the odds yeah uh well you're gonna get that but at the same time around november 17th the star wars yes, Hol- the star wars holiday special will be dropping and just we might even and- do a special like bonus episode that week yes or for the record guys we will be doing something very exciting so uh stay tuned for that we're working uh i'm i'm you know working out the kinks of what we're going to do right now and uh i'm very excited about mm. it um but yeah that all in all gives a, a wrap up to the episode and um which is which is good because i feel like uh, this is a runtime that is a, more affordable to us yeah which is good well i think it works better with the shorter episodes the, the mandalorian is a lot shorter than each skywalker saga film that we've been talking about recently yeah. um so yeah guys again we've only talked about one thing but the but the non-spoiler and spoiler reviews will be uh, separated into two uh time codes in the description so whatever one suits you uh go ahead and uh go ahead and check it out but of course i would advise that you watch the episode beforehand and then we'll come watch the yep. spoiler review because it was so much more in depth than what we could offer in non-spoiler but uh yeah and it's a good episode yeah, it's a, so you it's wanna, a great episode wanna... mandalorian's a great yeah. uh show so if you're not watching it 
watch the hell out of it. Um, yeah, uh, we're also available on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this episode, like we just said, will be dropping a little bit later than our usual Sunday release time, but the, uh, Monday YouTube release, I am hoping will still be the same. And, um, we'll be back to regular schedule next week. Yes. Back to our regularly scheduled, uh, uh, time as of next week. It's because of the fact that, uh, we were talking about the fact that we were going that we went out for Halloween, uh, yesterday when Michael was dressed as Zuko and myself as Boba Fett, which is again, very fitting and poignant for the episode that we were just talking about. Uh, but yeah, because we were out all day, we didn't really get a chance to record, but that's okay. Mm. Uh, but other than that, guys, I really hope you enjoyed the episode. I yeah. know I did. I think this has been a, a very fun discussion. I had a lot of fun. I love talking about Mandalorian yeah. again. It's been and good. And we'll, we'll be back with Chapter 10 next week and whatever Star Wars news also decides to uh, hit the galaxy, uh, hit this galaxy of ours. Um, and that's it. Michael, anything more to say? Um, have a good week. Get excited for Mandalorian next. I, I think it drops Fridays in us. And, uh, Maybe, yeah, watch it before the next week's episode so you can go straight into the spoiler review. But, uh, yeah, have a good have a good week, everyone, and uh, stay Star Wars-y. Stay, stay, stay Star Wars-y. You heard it here first. Stay Star Wars-y. Uh, what that? If you can stay Star Wars-y, I think you'll be just fine. May the Force be with you always, guys. This yeah. has been Telling, Telling the Odds. Odds.